Okay, you guys. Good morning. Good morning. God's love here with your daily bread. Been sitting and thinking about this one, you guys. When I did the verse yesterday, I knew it's in itself. God was showing me something. So we're not going to do Matthew today. We'll continue tomorrow. So to be continued in the, the book of Matthew. Where God wants to take me today is the story of Matthew Shepard. Why? Because I just watched the movie for the first time in my life. Um, and I, I was a teenager when this happened, so I was aware of some things, but not everything. And I finally watched the movie the other night. Um, I wanted to talk about it yesterday, but I got up late. Coincidentally, how did that work out, God? <laughs> um, but the verse I did yesterday from 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, folded in with it like this, and it all clicked. I was like, oh, oh, oh. And so I really did some research yesterday, and this morning I've just, I, I laid awake for a good 30 minutes, and I just laid there thinking about how I was going to discuss this with you guys, how God wanted me to discuss it, not just from my understanding, but, but what God wanted to explain and actually using something uh, a parable a verse that Jesus said and I got to write a couple of this down otherwise I'm going to forget a couple of things that Jesus said in Matthew that really clicked um I remember these things. I actually have a good memory. I don't have a good memory for anything else, you guys, but when it comes to remembering Bible verses, man, I'm on it. Like, I'll remember what they say. I may not remember exactly where the chapter's at, but God forgives me. And then, uh, Hey, you guys. Messenger video. Oh, good Lord. I have a an open Facebook page. I also have an open personal page. It's very public. I have about 5,000 people on there. I get 20 calls a day from people that I don't know why people think I would actually answer a phone call from a stranger, but I don't. And I don't know if any, not a lot of people from God's love actually do it. These are people from my personal page, but I don't respond to do DMs at all. None. I don't open them. I don't respond to them. I delete them. Unless you are a personal friend um, of mine personal meaning I know you we have a relationship I'm not answering any of those I can't help you there's nothing I can say that's going to make your life better you have to go to God um again a lot of these people are probably lonely men looking for uh, a woman just to fill in that void and let me be clear about that. There's nobody that's going to fill that void but God. And that's why I don't answer DMs. That's why I don't answer calls. Because what a lot of people think they're searching for, they're not really searching for. They may want company. They may want somebody to fill in their time. But the thing is, what they're really searching for is to fill that void they feel inside. They're searching. I need to fill that void. I need to fill that void. Maybe she'll answer the phone and I'll have somebody to talk to. She sounds really nice. You know, this God thing. Christians are supposed to be kind. They're supposed to answer their phones. Ah, no, 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 no. Not true. Not true. It's not the way it works. I only do what God commands me to do. I don't listen to anybody else really well there is one other person but that's neither here nor there 
but that void there's nothing I can do to fill that void and there will be people that will be like I need help and then they'll go on with their life story I can't help you with that you have to search inside yourself to seek the answers you find you have to start asking yourself why I'll take for instance I know somebody just recently in my life swear I had to put boundaries in place because it was constant like it just blew up my life where it was taken away from my personal life see I have a personal life where I'm a servant of God and I'm doing things I have my job I have my school I have my kids I have all of these things and they wanted to be in a deep conversation what about this like talking deep deep and it's like I finally had to say I have a personal life you're taking it away from me it's not Christian like I don't think those were the words used but I'm sure that's what he was thinking but you know what here's the thing I can't answer those questions those questions you have inside these wise 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 you have to search inside yourself because it's when you search inside yourself God is going to show you the answer for you do I have a hair so I cannot answer the questions of people who are can you help me with this can you do this the people that are calling me they want they want answers I cannot give answers to you I cannot answer those deep down whys why does this trigger me why is this motivating me why is this doing this why do I feel this way I can't answer those questions so for anybody who is messaging me who who is trying to do that I don't answer those questions because you have to find it within yourself and that's the best policy I can I have set in place good morning um so for anybody who is looking for help for anybody who's trying to ask that question why nobody can really answer those questions for you but searching inside yourself even if you don't believe in God you have to search with inside yourself and you have to connect with inside yourself and start unraveling those layers to find what it is well why do I react this way to this behavior nobody's going to be able to tell you why you get triggered because they don't know your whole history the only one that knows all of you is God you, we don't even know all of ourselves. There was things that got unraveled in me that I was like, oh man, I didn't even know that. Take for instance, ever since I was a little girl, I've had nightmares about being shot in the face. I remember the very first one. I was in this house in down the street from where we lived in Minnesota. I wasn't even school age. And I remember sitting up in a bed and a man walked in and pointed the gun and shot me in the face. In the dream, I saw the flash, but I woke up in my bed. I was terrified. I was terrified. And I just, I had reoccurring dreams of that type of thing, being shot. It was terrifying. In fact, I had one in the summer of 2019 when I was in jail. I remember somebody I know was very upset because of the things I was doing. And I had a dream that he stuck a gun in my face and he was going to shoot me. The only thing is he didn't shoot me because I looked him in the eye and I put the gun down. It wasn't until back in maybe October, I started coming out with all these things about my dad. You know, my dad pointed a gun in my mother's face. It, that was a reoccurring behavior with him. He did that to a lot of the women he was with. He would use a gun to terrorize them. And I realized because I saw that as a little girl, when I watched him point that gun underneath my mom's chin and I knew by the look in his eyes, he could shoot her and he would if he lost control. It embedded a fear in me and by recognizing where it came from in that moment God showed me in letting go of those things about my dad letting it out letting out those secrets and letting it out I realized that's why I was having these nightmares it was this deep-seated fear that was instilled in me by watching my own father point a gun in my mother's face I mean under her chin like this like yeah 
And once I, that, I was able to let go of that fear. I no longer have that fear. So nobody could have, a counselor could have never been able to figure that out for me. I never talked about it, but God did. So that, that is an example, you guys. So this is going to get deep, you guys. We're going to talk about Matthew Shepard. I'm going to take my slippers off, maybe. Matthew Shepard. Matthew Shepard. I want to get the actual story straight. I'm going to give you the outline of Matthew Shepard. Say his age. Okay, perfect. So you guys, Matthew Shepard was a 21-year-old gay man in the United States. Um, he was going to a college in Laramie, okay? Um, he was open about his sexual orientation on campus. And in Wyoming, I've lived in Wyoming. They're very, I don't know, they're very cowboyish. Um, they're... I mean, that wasn't something that they were known for, for people to be open about um, their sexual orientation like that. So they, he was judged. He was judged and it was shunned. People didn't like it. It made them feel uncomfortable. Um, he ended up getting in a vehicle, befriending two men, getting into a vehicle, and they drove him out to a field. They tied him to a fence and beat him with the butt of a gun until he was almost dead. He actually laid on that fence. They left him. He laid there for 18 hours. He ended up dying in the hospital from the, from the trauma. It sparked an outrage with, I don't know if it sparked an outrage outside of the United States. I was, at the time, there was not a lot of getting on the internet, so I don't know how the rest of the country was affected. But I do know in the United States, it was a huge, huge deal. Like, it just blew up everywhere. Um, and I remember it, but uh, in my stepfather's house, we weren't allowed to watch certain things or search for certain things. We weren't allowed on the computer, so I never really got to find out the facts until I watched the movie. Um, so he ended up dying. And they, you know, these men, plus their girlfriends, their girlfriends were charged with accessory to the murder. But these two men were charged with his murder. Um, and they started a foundation. And it grew awareness. Because here's the thing. They had no reason to kill Matthew Shepard. There was no reason they, you know, it was a hate crime is what it was. I don't know if I'm saying that right. But they, they killed him just because he was gay. Um, because of sexual orientation. Um, now, during the trial, they were up for receiving the death penalty. And I'm sure they were terrified. Uh, Matthew's parents, the father wanted the death penalty. Um, and the mother, she didn't. The movie was just eyeballed. I'm not going to lie. I, I will cry if it's real. And I cried. It was the things that this boy, this child, this was growing into a man went through because of his sexual orientation was disturbing um 
I thought back then that we were progressive in the United States, but we kind of weren't, not there. I guess I could kind of see it now where it wasn't in Wyoming. But, um, I mean, you'll get that. I mean, you still get that. But uh, I was one who didn't quite understand the hate because I didn't really hate for those reasons. You know, I hated my stepfather. But, I mean, at the time, I had a reason. But I didn't just hate somebody because you wanted to have sex with the same sex. That didn't matter to me. What mattered to me is what kind of person you were. You know, that's how I was. Um, but during the trial, this is what really got me. So the father got up in the in the movie, and this was an actual thing because I'm reading actual documents from the Washington Post um, newspaper. I actually had to research it to make sure I was correctly saying this to you guys. Um, the father got up and he spoke about his son's life. He addressed the jury and he addressed the murderers. He goes, I too believe in the death penalty. The father goes, I would like nothing better than to see you die, Mr. McKinley, McKinney. However, this is a time to begin the healing process, to show mercy to someone who refused to show any mercy. Mr. McKinney, I'm going to grant you life as hard as it is for me to do so because of Matthew. Every time you celebrate Christmas, oh, I'm getting chills, you guys, just because I bawled. I bawled at this. Every time you celebrate Christmas, a birthday or 4th of July, remember that Matthew isn't. Every time you wake up in that prison cell, remember that you had the opportunity and the ability to stop your actions that night. You robbed me of something very precious and I will never forgive you for that. And guess what? He didn't get the death penalty. The parents had, you know, the opportunity to push for this. And you see it in the movie. But the mother and this was in the movie, said, my son was a beautiful soul in a beautiful life. I want to do something beautiful with his death. Putting this other person to death, taking his life, is an ugly act. And I just can't do it. That moved me, you guys. That really moved me in this movie. In this story, in this life, it's not just a movie, you guys. This was a man's life. This is what got me. I was bawling to God. I was like, God, this happens in the world. I mean, I've seen tragedies, but something like this is just like such hate. Like there was somebody with that much hate that they physically beat this man 21 years old he's a boy to me you know I'm almost getting up there he beat him with the bun of a gun till he was almost dead because he was gay now the other thing that really moved me in the movie was the amount of protesters that were saying that he was going to go to hell that he was an abomination and this is where I was like whoa that's why I'm here today I was like, God, no, I know you better. And I know that this goes around. There are people who are religious that condemn homosexuals. Um, I used to work at a place only for like three weeks. Famous Dave's. There was a young girl there who was gay. Um, and we were talking about religion. I don't even remember why we were talking about religion. And she's like, oh, yeah. I'm looked down upon in my church. And I was like, why? She goes, because I'm gay. And I was like, but God still loves you. See, and at that time, because I God had made his presence known, because of the things I was doing, I knew God loved me. There was no way God would have made his presence known and been there in my life and loved me and forgave me when I was over here. You know, you know I look back and I'm like, no, God loves everybody. I know it. The, the, there's no way he would have came to me if he didn't love everybody because of the life I lived. I couldn't even forgive myself, my addiction, everything, tearing my family apart, the parent I was being, the behaviors I was doing. I started drinking again. 
And I was just thinking, like, you know, see, God knew some things about me. Not everybody knows everything. But God knew some things were going on in my life at that time. And right before that, too, in January. And God still forgave me. So when she said this, I was just disturbed, like, how could a church? And see, that's where my misperception of church comes from. You shouldn't condemn people. Like, why are we condemning that? And then I had to really dig, you know, and then I dug you guys. After the movie, after I got done crying, you know, I really wanted to get into, I wanted to know exactly where people got the fact that they could preach that homosexuality is wrong in the eyes of God. Um, because we're not God. Here's the thing about it. We're not God. It's going to end up being perfect. So when I hear that, and I think a pastor's getting up there, you know, saying this, but we're not God. So how can we condemn people out of a house of God? So I started looking up some things, you know, and so here's some Bible verses, you guys. And I actually, you know, I, I, I do some research. I love research. So you guys, in Genesis, it talks about Sodom, okay? So this was when they were trying to get Lot. This was Abraham's want to say it's Abraham's and it doesn't say that in there do you remember that Abraham was praying for Lot this was back in Genesis you guys Abraham was praying to God please protect the righteous he was bartering with God oh now I remember Abraham was bartering with God he goes what if there is like 20 righteous would you spare them in the city of Sodom and Gomorrah Gomorrah God goes yes do you remember they were bartering between each other and the thing about that was Abraham had Lot in mind. And now I need to make sure it was it was Abraham. But I need to. It was Abraham. Okay. So Abraham sitting here bartering with God. And the reason Abraham was bartering with God, you know, and this is prayer, you guys. This is this is prayer. It's talking with God. Abraham was praying, but he was bartering in his prayer. And he goes, what if there's some righteous wood there? Would you spare that city? And guess what? It's because Abraham in his mind was thinking Lot was there with his family. That's my family. I don't want God to destroy that family and destroy Lot with it. I love Lot. You know, God, and God knew, God could see in Abraham's heart that that's what he was thinking. So what does God do? God sends two angels to go into Sodom and go get Lot and tell him, listen. So they go to the city, they go meet Lot, they go stay at Lot's house and they go, listen, God's destroying the city. You and your family need to leave and you need to leave now, otherwise you ain't going to have a chance. People in the city of Sodom came to the door and they said, give us those two men. We want, us, we want to rape them. See, the city of Sodom and Gomorrah was a disgusting group of people. They were, they were toxic. They were pillaging and plundering. They were raping other men. It was uh, sexual immorality at its finest. And um, God was going to destroy that city because of what was going on. And he did. So Lot ended up leaving and the city was destroyed because of it. Um, but see, what I take away from that is men were raping other men. That's not love. That's sin. Of course that's sinful. There's no love in rape. Of course that's sinful. You're forcing yourself sexually on another person. It doesn't matter if you it's man against man or... It's the same as a woman against a child or a woman to a woman. Those things are all considered the same. Rape is rape. In the eyes of the kingdom of God, that is a sin. You're forcing your will onto another person. So that doesn't even, that doesn't give anybody the right to condemn homosexuals. And Leviticus, it says, do not practice homosexuality, having sex with another man 
as with a woman, is a detestable sin. In Leviticus, it, it says it again. Now, you guys, okay, we're going to come back to that. Because Leviticus, let me tell you, Leviticus is in the Old Testament. I'm going to specify that. I'm going to come back to Leviticus. There's a reason for that. Judges, um, they were talking the same thing. Um, judges, there was another man, there was... There was a man staying with an old man and people came to his door and said, uh, bring out the man who is staying with you so we can have sex with him. The old man goes, no, my brothers, do not do such an evil thing for this man is a guest in my house. Um, and, uh, you know, same thing. That's taking another man against your will. So that is a sin. And the king's. And there were also male cult prostitutes of the land. They did according to the abominations of the nations that the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. Um, you know, selling your body for money is a sin. That's your, your focus becomes money. Your focus is in God. So when you sell yourself, that's true today, you guys. And God still loves you. Here's the thing. We're going to get to this. God still loves us. Those things don't matter, but there's a reason why. But it does say it in there, but that is considered, you know, sinful behavior when you're selling yourself for selfish greed for money. You know, you're, it is a sin. And in Romans, it talks about um, where people are indulging in shameful things and they're these pleasurable things that are sinful and a lot of this pertains around the fact that they're not doing it out of love they're doing it out of wanting you know to be immoral it would be like me going to um I'm just going to be blunt with it. Me going to a strip club and hooking up with a bunch of people and going back to their house and let's just have this big orgy. It's the same thing. Later down the road, you feel guilty about those things. They don't, they don't bring you the joy that love actually brings you. They're just inner desires that seem like fun. And then, I don't know. When you do it, they're not. I've done some things. I didn't do that particular thing, but I'm just saying I've experienced enough things in this world to understand the concept of where God's coming from. He's trying to teach mankind that those things will not fulfill you. And when you do them for selfish gain, because here's the point he's making with all these verses. You're doing these things for yourself. They serve no purpose, no greater purpose in this world. You're doing it for selfish pleasure. That's where all these verses are deriving from. Now, we're going to get into it. The verse yesterday from 1 John, this is going to coincide with Matthew Shepard. I got to take this because... I, I don't plan a sermon, you guys. I just think about like bits and pieces I'm going to put together and then I just kind of throw it out there. So hopefully it all comes together good. The verse yesterday says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. You guys, I've been twisted up for a couple of weeks. A week. Weeks. It's been about a week. Somebody brought to my attention about some things that really got me thinking about God, got me thinking about Jesus and Jesus' sacrifice. I think that's why God has me coming back to Matthew. This is a very special person. I couldn't believe he said these things. It blew my mind. Like, he got me twisted he unraveled me okay I, I wish i could have just recorded it just to repeat what he said 
because he was true. He goes, only God's love, only God can cast out certain evils within us. He goes back in the Old Testament, though. You know, these things, like look at God destroying Sodom and Gomorrah. God only pick and chose certain people to lead through life. Do you notice that? Notice how he cast out Adam and Eve and they were never brought back in, truly back into the Garden of Eden. God never truly, like once they were casted out, they were casted out. And there came a certain point in the flood where he only went to Noah. He he only saw one good person. He was going to, he just destroyed the world except for one family. The only reason, you know, it was Noah and his family because of Noah. And then God made the covenant. You never hear people talk about the journey of God through the Bible. This is God's story too. See, when God started creating the earth and he made Adam and Eve, where do you think the serpent came from? That was God testing them. Because that was going to be life. That's life. We're going to be tempted. God tempted them. And they fell for it. The serpent wasn't this evil, evil deceitful entity that came up in the world all by itself. No, God created the serpent. He placed it in that tree to tempt Adam and Eve. And guess what? They fell for it because they thought they were above God. He said, you will be like God. And they go, hmm. He goes, the tree looks good. What do you think, Adam? Because Adam was sit sitting right there. Adam was with her. Read it. I got to read this. God's got me on. Now I'm on one. Okay, so when the woman saw the tree was good for food and was pleasant to the eyes and the tree desirable to make one wise, she was like, oh, I will be wise like God. Huh, you know what? Maybe the serpent's right. I will be like God. That's what she's thinking. It says it. It was pleasant to the eyes and the tree desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate it. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. So, not only were they tempted, the man who was supposed to be the protector and the provider watched her take it, watched her get deceived, and then ate of it too. He was probably watching to see if she would die. And then because she didn't, he was like, oh, I'll do it too. This is where God has changed things up. That changed the way God designed us, you guys. We're no longer born to be in the Garden of Eden. We actually have to work our way up to the kingdom of God now. Do you see how things are turned around? God learned from Adam and Eve that you can't just give man things because man will be, man will think he's above God. Wow. I want to do that for a long time. Now you serve your way up to God. We're born into a world that's full of sin. We end up getting processed through sin. We have to find our way to God. Then God cleanses us from all of that. And we serve our way up to the kingdom, into the Garden of Eden. That's what it feels like. I feel like I'm in my own Eden, in my own little universe. I'm in my own little Eden. But see God's journey. Let me get back on track. He casted them out. He was angry. They failed. And they never came back. And you have Noah, who was the only one that God found favor in. He killed everybody. He destroyed the world with a flood. And then he, you know, created the rainbow that said, I will never destroy man again. But yet he went in and destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, you guys, listen. God is an all-loving God. He has his reasons for everything. I would have destroyed that city too. So don't get it twisted where I'm going with this. I don't think 
Oh, I don't know where to go with this now, God. Gah! Ah! You know, where had God experienced perfect love in his creations? He hadn't. Mankind, we weren't. When you look at all of these men, they weren't the love he was searching within us that he created. He didn't know. None of these men leading up to this point, from Abraham to all of these men, they all still had, they didn't fully surrender to God as he created us to do. So here comes Jesus, you guys. This is why Jesus had the love that was needed for us to have God's love today. And that's what it comes down to. Jesus was sinless and people could really get stuck on that but it wasn't just the sinless he needed to be sinless because his blood was pure yes he was sinless but it was greater than that a lot of people are missing the greater points it was his love for god his desire to please god he loved god no matter what here's the thing he knew he was going to die on that cross can you imagine being born in this world? I'm trying to put myself in Jesus' shoes. Here I am. Nobody else can hear what's going on between God and I. But I know it's real because I have that relationship now. And God's like, you know what, Christine? I'm preparing you. They are going to crucify you. You know when it's going to happen. Just follow my every direction. Jesus loved God to the bitter end. He served him faithfully and loyally, and he did it with love. It wasn't just that he loved God. Everything he did, he did with love. When he washed the disciples' feet, which we will come to later in Matthew, he didn't just do it as an act, like I'm going to wash it because I'm supposed to. He wanted to do it. He wanted to show them how much he loved them and how much they meant to him. There's a difference. There's a difference in doing the right thing because God tells you to do it, like paying tithing. And then there's a difference in doing it because I want, I love doing it. I love the disciples so much. I want to get down on my hands and knees and I am going to scrub your feet because I want to show you how much I love you. And that's the kind of love that Jesus gave God. That is the kind of love God needed to see that mankind, it is possible. That's why Jesus, he changed the whole game. That was the love needed to cast out, what is it, fear? Cast out, that was the love God needed to turn around and go, you know what? That's how I'm gonna love everybody. And that's how God loves us now the way Jesus loved mankind then. Because before that, we had the Old Testament, which was Leviticus, talking about homosexuality, okay? It is, it's wrong, right? Do not practice homosexuality. Having sex with another man as a woman is a detestable sin. Um, God wanted the sacrifice of animals a certain amount. When you read through those chapters, now let me tell you guys, when you read through those chapters, I see God very detailed. He's very detailed in his love. God just wanted things a certain way. He's trying to teach mankind the love he had. Trying to get there. But it wasn't working. Mankind wasn't doing it out of love. They were doing it because they were told to do it. So the whole concept that God, the whole structure God had set up from Leviticus um, was getting twisted and taken the wrong way. People were like, well, I'll sin and I'll just, you know, I'll burn a couple of sacrifices. Nobody was learning anything. There was no love in the act of doing that. There was no love being given. Okay? And when you look back on certain things like 
certain men were able to bless people. Look, the, you know, there was certain groups of people that were not God's people, the Moabites, the Canaanites, they weren't God's people, but they were God's people. They all came from the same bloodline, but they were not considered God's people back then because they didn't believe in God. So God, they were not considered God's people. This was Old Testament, you guys. This was before Jesus. Before Jesus came along and gave the love to God that God needed to give to us today. That's perfect love. And because of that, God is able to love all of us that way. Not just who he picks and chooses. God loves all of us that way. That's perfect love. Now... Why did this become so significant because of the homosexuality and some other things in this Matthew story? God loves everybody. And there is nobody that can tell me different because of the relationship I have with God. It is so strong. Nobody could ever convince me that God will put you. There's no hell. The hell is a frame of mind. We created ourselves. I got to bookmark this. I really got to. Ah, I knew it. There it is. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 7. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the spirit will return to the God who gave it. That was even before Jesus. God gave us our souls. And even before Jesus, it says in his word, when we die, it returns to him. What he does with your soul after that, that's something you'll have to take up with God. Just as I took it up with him internally. So God loves everybody. There's no hell. You don't go burning in hell when you die. God puts you back on earth and you keep learning your lessons until you learn it. So say my dad never comes forth and takes accountability for his behaviors as a parent and never seeks to have a relationship with his children and he dies with regret. Yeah, I'm going to pull, you know. Guess what? He'll come back to learn that lesson. There's some books on it that I found this summer. They were pretty amazing. It says it. So, why did that hate crime happen? You know, I started thinking, like, why? And I understood why. Because people fear what they don't understand. And out of fear derives hate. See, Matthew Shepard was just a tender person. You could tell, you know, from everything I've read, he was a very kind, tender person. Look at his parents. He didn't inflict the death penalty. So these men looked at his homosexuality as something fearful. And out of fear derives hate. And this is where it coincides with Jesus. The Pharisees feared Jesus. And out of that fear came hate. As we were talking about yesterday, they're like, look, He's only casting out demons because he's getting power from the demon himself. He's lying. This is just, he's lying, he's spreading lies. And out of that, it grew into something where they had to stir up the pot to have him crucified. They wanted him dead. They just didn't want to do it themselves. They wanted their hands clean. They didn't want to look like the bad guy in it. 
So they caused a lot of dysfunction within society, stirred up the pot to get people to hate Jesus themselves as well, which would cause society to crucify him because they feared the love that was within him. Why? Because it was unconditional. It was love. People fear love. Fear it. I mean, look at Jesus. People feared it because they didn't understand it. They don't understand that kind of love. So, why did they do the hate crime? Because they feared him. And there's just a dark part in every one of us that hasn't been healed that only God can heal. And guess what? Out of this man's death, those men who will be in prison forever will eventually go to God and have to ask for forgiveness. They will have to cleanse that dark part of them. So out of this man's death, At least two people will be saved to go to the kingdom of God. And he already was. Your homosexuality, your sexual orientation does not have a significant weight in the kingdom of God. He created us the way we are today for a reason. So when we go around telling others that you're wrong for the way you feel and you're wrong for the way you are, you're being a Pharisee. And you are not God. I've seen this on Facebook. Men in particular who preach that try to tell people who they are and that they're wrong. Um... And they get very upset. I've had people do it to me. I've questioned the words that they say. I'll be like, why? 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 And they will tell me, well, you're just a blah, blah, blah. And you're wrong. And I'll go, why? And they can't answer the why. I don't tell them who they are. And I don't tell them they're wrong. Just tell them my opinion. They often don't like that. So, the filter. This is the other thing I want to get to before. Oh my gosh, am I going to have time? I'm going to have time. And I got to work today. So, I got to make it quick. So, you guys, the filter of hate. Why? Jesus, uh, Jesus said it actually in Matthew chapter 6 and it starts in verse 23 but if your eye is bad your whole body will be full of darkness therefore the light that is in you is darkness how great is that darkness okay you guys so i'm going to draw a quick quick diagram i didn't have enough time so imagine this was the eye of somebody who is angry right how do i want to draw this This is the world. This is the eye. Okay. Behind this eye, a person's eye, okay? Okay. You have past traumas, past traumas. You have hate, anger, of course, fear. And hurt, resentment. Ah, I'm gonna have to redo that now. Okay, you have all of this in your past. Okay, this is this was my life before. This is why I can draw this. So at one point in time, in 2019, even though I knew God was real, I was still looking at the world through my eyes and I haven't cleansed from my past traumas that held hate and anger, fear, hurt, and resentment. 
I was still thinking about my childhood. I was still reeling over that. Couldn't let it go. I still had a lot of hate over that. My poor choices, my addiction, all of it. I had a lot of resentment. I resented myself. So because I had all this inner stuff, this is how I saw the world. I really did. I saw the world as a real hateful place. And so because I didn't deal with this, this is what I was seeing the world with. The world was an angry place. All I was seeing was all of these things. That's what it says when, but if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So you guys, when you haven't allowed God to cleanse you of these things, that is how you're going to see and reflect into the world. Your eye is dark. Your eye is bad. My eyes were bad in this world. Okay. It took a long time for God to cleanse all of that out of me. It was a process. But I was full of darkness because that's all I had within me. I was so full of my whole life of this. This is why I had the why this was why I had my public breakdown this is why I did the whole cleansing in the end of September I was so full of all of this stuff in order for me to see things correctly the way God wanted me to see them I had to release all of this out so that I could see through a clear filter that's what it takes so you guys this is why people do hate crimes, why people are angry, why people are negative people, why people are narcissists, negative, all of this, toxic, all of this. Anybody you run into and they're like, you're just like, they're just angry and miserable. Well, guess what? Behind all of that, behind what they are reflecting to you is actually how they feel what they see it's all this inner turmoil that gets wound up like this all of that is within them wound up like this it's a ball and they keep it in they keep it in and they never talk about it because we grow up thinking i just got to keep it in this is the way i can't let it go i just i gotta you know no no you have to ask God to help you with this stuff, you guys. Because just like this man said to me, there are some things that only God can cast us, cast out of us. And, it, and he specifically said it's the evil within us. And he is correct. God is the only one who could cast the evil out of us. I know because he did it with me. And I had a lot of evil in me, you guys. It wasn't like I'm out there trying to be a murderer or anything. But I had a lot of toxicity in me. I had triggers. I had all this thing. I was just a negative person. Everything I looked at, I was scared of. I didn't know how to react to people. I didn't know how to handle things. I didn't know how to communicate. There was just so much within me, so much toxicity that I had to put myself under construction. And if anybody wants to know what that was about, I did all those videos between March and May. I was, God put me under construction. I was solely his. I removed myself from the public eye and God just started cleansing me and only God could have done it. There is no counselor in this world that could have ever helped me the way God did. So when Jesus says, if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Well, guess what? Guys, if you're still harboring emotions like this, your eye is bad. Which means you're filled with darkness. Which means you see the world that way. And you can usually tell by the way people post on Facebook. If they're posting very negative posts, they're usually very negative inwardly. Your posts on Facebook will reflect how you feel on the inside true story so you guys there's some insight to what jesus was talking about in that verse and i hope it brings some understanding you guys and i invite you to do some research about the matthew shepherd um story it's a it's a worthy thing to watch it moved me 
it really moved me and I think I needed I needed to do that I know I needed to do that because I'm doing this today but I love you guys I hope you know your challenge for today really challenge yourself to think about your faith with God do you really think there are some people that don't deserve his love even the pedophiles think about it you guys there are a lot of people that think that they should be condemned but truly you have no idea we are not here to judge it says it in i gotta find the verse i should have looked i've highlighted it i'll find it i know it's something 34. i will find it John. I was in John. <clears throat> and guess what? It was highlighted. You can't see. Boop. There it is. Okay. Little children. This is what Jesus was saying. Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, and that you also love one another. Good morning, Bailey. That was the new commandment. And those words are written in red. God gave that commandment through Jesus. We are to love one another as Jesus was loving everyone. As Jesus was loving the disciples. This was right after he washed their feet. So it doesn't matter. We love one another unconditionally. That's the commandment. Your sexual orientation does not decide. You cannot tell other people how God judges people. This is a book. Yes, this is God's word. There's Old Testament and there's New Testament. There's a difference. God evolves with things. God created us for a reason and he created us the way we're supposed to be. I believe in that. God bless you guys. I hope this really gets you thinking. Love you.